Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Your conscious mind complains, but your unconscious, if Neil Young knew what your unconscious mind was expressing, he'd run away from you too. But that's okay, because you found your perfect spot here at your favorite late night talk show for the Shamelessly Fringe It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. What's going on? Hello, Looper. Greg Bornstein here. Chief Looper, curator of experience, cultural hypnotist, and of course, a disruptor of consciousness. Yes. This is the show where uh, things get strange. Things are very strange. You know, I, I, was in, uh, I was in New Orleans this past weekend for the first time ever. It's one of the few states in the country that I have been determined to visit in my lifetime. And I, I had to go. It was for a bachelor party. Wow. There is some... Uh, that, that is an open-loop town if there ever was one, uh, I mean, just utter, utter, it, it may have been too open in some ways, um, too loopy in other ways, but just, just utter debauchery, uh, and I'm a sucker for old timey American, uh, the, the jazz and the, and the, you know, they, the, oh, the flappers, the prohibition, um, you know, just, just the, the overall scandal. I like an area that runs itself on, uh, well, pure hedonism and still manages to attract a fair number of tourists, um, along with bedbugs. Yes, it is. It, New New Orleans is great. I, I love the voodoo stuff, though. Of course, like everything in America, um, the, or just the travel scene in general, um, which, wink, wink, it's been Americanized. If you're in Italy, if you ever go to Italy, when the world opens up again, one thing you won't miss is American tourists. Um but that said, that that's, that's what the town's all about. It it's just um, complete tourist 
um, exploitation, really. Um, they, people it just, just, uh, it's not even exploitation. It's well exploiting the fact that you're a tourist, that you're, that you're, you don't want to be in the real world. Look at me. I'm sounding nervous talking about New Orleans. This is the contrast I'm in. Came back to New York City after New Orleans. And now I'm like, it's freezing. I'm anxious. I'm talking fast on the podcast. What's happening? Uh, but I loved it. I really did. I could spend a lot longer there. I wanted to get to know the witches a little more. I was I was eyeing podcast guests. But here's what's really lame. You go to a gift shop, not even a gift shop, uh, an occult store, an acclaimed occult store like Hex, which is the store for witchery uh, near the French Quarter. And sure, they're selling tarot readings and all this stuff, but... I want the people that work at the counters to be believable warlocks. I mean, this is New Orleans. These people should not just be Tulane students who use CoStar occasionally. I mean, we want the real deal. I want my witches. I want my warlocks. Now, to be fair, the group I was with wasn't really as into that stuff as I was. Um, But... Yeah, ironically, the group I was with probably would have burned me at the stake along with other people, um, <laughs> other actual witches. But that said, yeah, there was enough weirdness for us to engage in, um, as well as some real nice seriousness stuff. I mean, the National World War II Museum is incredible. The Museum of Death, um, I actually want to meet one of the curators and interview them on this show because that is a... Even more than the voodoo stuff, that really was just ugh, sucker punched me. Um, the the interview I did with Donald Jeffries, who wrote the book about Hollywood corruption, <laughs> there is a whole reel playing in there of just the tragic deaths of the Hollywood stars. Um, so interesting, so interesting. Uh, yeah, big fan of New Orleans. Just, 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 just love the the cultural experience. If you are a looper, um, I highly recommend it. If you if you like that shamelessly fringe stuff, the magical, the hypnotic, the occult, the uh, the paranormal, uh, the esoteric, the abstract, uh, which is what this show is all about. Um, then, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, oh, and for those of you who have never listened to the show, let's go really late into this. Uh, my goal is to challenge your existing belief systems by sharing radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind and allow you to step into the highest version of yourself. Now, one of the ways we do that is not just by having experts and so-called topics. I mean, I, I love doing that, and I always will... <laughs> Look, l- let's face it. If you decided to dedicate your life to exposing some... the MK Ultra projects like Mind Control, all this stuff, and, and you've studied the history, and even though some of the claims might be far-fetched, but you've really dedicated your life, and you're taking a scholarly, scholarly approach, uh, I will absolutely have you on and interview you. I was actually... I'll come out and say it right now. What should, what should I say about Joe Rogan? When he was... He, he did this Instagram video responding to everything. Um, you know, the whole Neil Young pulling out of Spotify... 
and and as he gave that little speech of his, uh, I just kept thinking, that's exactly what I'm trying to do on this show. I mean, he was an influence for me. This is the guy that's sitting down and having serious conversations with people. Uh, Stephen Greer was one of the first UFO guys I ever saw on his show. And he, he had Bob Lazar. I mean, Joe Rogan is having people with opposing views on. And sure, I'm sure he could do a better job with misinformation. But I, I am always for freedom of speech because... If you can have some people say something, then you could just as easily have other people come on and criticize it. Uh, I'd rather over-communicate than under in all these matters. And look, if I was... If this show was big enough for Neil Young to care about the misinformation that has been on it previously, I'm sure there has been. Um, You know, I've said from the beginning, I'll have both both sides... I will always have both sides. It is so important to, I mean, look, throughout the history of time, people were banned for having opposing correct viewpoints on things. Now, again, I don't, you know, I think it's pretty smart. I think a lot of the sources aren't trustworthy for for a lot of the conspiracy theorists out there, and so I, I question them. More often than not, I may entertain some alternative perspectives, but when it comes down to daily living, I tend to uh, err in the middle and 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 do the do 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 the things that that feel right to me. Um, I, I wouldn't go around evangelizing that my way is the one right way, but I think some people that are on this show might be surprised sometimes by uh, how much of science I do trust about certain things, about uh, not just medicine, I, climate change. I mean, in some ways I, I do, but my dad was a doctor, and he, he is a doctor in the mainstream medical system, and I've really seen him change lives through this process, so... I, I don't just throw out things, but I also am skeptical of the pharmaceutical business. I'm skeptical of the money being made by suits at the top in all industries. That said, I think Joe Rogan, it's never been about the money. It's been about the expression. It's been about the fun. And it's been about um, giving people nuance, deep, and sometimes fringe conversations. So... I do support Joe in this regard. Keep it going. And thank you, Spotify. Keep Joe on there. Freedom of speech. That's what this country's about. I'm not even, you know, oh, America, patriotism. But, 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 I, but I know what I grew up with. I, I fought for freedom of speech all throughout high school, especially during the George W. Bush era. And to see it taken, twisted, and, and distorted in the way it has been these days has been, uh, well, let's see if... Neil Young will boycott me eventually one day, too. I've got goals. Now, that said, this episode is a very, very strange one. Huh? Before I tell you what it's about, uh, if you like Open Loops, make sure you follow it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
And uh, especially right now, hey, leave a review on Spotify if you like the show. If you like this kind of alternative, free speech, Wild West content, uh, let me know. Or let them know. Let me know. Let Spotify know. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and write to me personally if you like this kind of stuff at the Greg Bornstein, um, as well as the Facebook page for this, where we sometimes broadcast exclusive content live, as well as the YouTube is in the show notes. So check that out. Uh, yeah, this one, Blake Hansen is a man who, well, you're not going to find him late night on Coast to Coast AM. You're not going to hear him on Richard Serrett's Conspiracy Unlimited, or uh, he might call in. He's, he's as of now, not going to show up on a stage at a UFO convention or a time traveler convention. But I'm going to say he is, in a way, a traveler through time. Yes, Blake Hansen is the type of person that would call into a radio show and say, hey, I had one of the weirdest experiences that, uh, well, I truly have no explanation for. This episode is really recounting a personal story of someone who's never publicly talked about uh, this This really, um, I don't know if it's if it's a tragedy. It almost goes outside the realm of traditional emotions because... Whatever's happening here is so unexplainable. I don't... I, I, I want someone who understands the brain to come on and tell me and tell Blake, hey, this is all in your head. But listen to this man's account, and you tell me if you think it's that, because Blake Hansen wakes up each day not knowing if he's actually 55 years old or 67 years old. Yes, he is a man who has traveled in time and woke up one day almost in a in a big slash Benjamin Button situation, woke up in a completely different body, having lived with memories of his entire life up until that point. Yes, he is a different kind of time traveler, and he had enough of a tale that he really hadn't shared with anyone and I'm honored that he came on to tell it to you. And hopefully we can see if there are other people out there who've had a similar experience. Without further ado, the extremely, extremely curious case of Blake Hansen, the 55-slash-67-year-old man. Today on Open Loops, we have Blake Hansen, who is the man who is a lot, who should be a lot older than he really is, because he has been encountering uh, a very, perhaps mischievous is the word, relationship with time. 
his entire life. He he is a time traveler of sorts, and uh, I'm excited to have Blake on because, yeah, it, it it you know Blake is not saying he is an expert in uh, the theory behind time travel or a paranormal, uh, you know, uh, speaker or writer. He's just he's an experiencer. He's a pure experiencer of anomalies with time. So we're gonna go into this. Blake, thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, what's amazing is that you do strike me as such a, um, you know, a, not someone, and I, I asked you before, I said, hey, look, are you in the government? Do you think you're part of a secret project? Is, is anything like that? And you said, eh, not really. Um, nope. So. Yeah, even growing up, was there anything that set you up from a young age that made you think life would be weird? Uh, no, it was really, really quite strange. Um, so we'll just start. Yeah, um, tell me the story. I'm very curious. Well, there's a couple of different stories. Let's start with let's start with an easy one before we go with a weird one. Okay. Let's start with the easy one. So the easy one, I was. Uh, uh, we had a cabin up north, and we were taking in the dock, and this would have been 1982, or pardon me, 83. September is a cold, cold morning, and it was very, very frigid. And got back in the car, and we were driving back home, and we were listening to Twins game, and I'm from Minnesota, so I love my Minnesota Twins. My dad would go to games every once in a while. And I really couldn't go to, I really couldn't get back to sleep. I wanted to take a nap, but the road was too windy. So basically I had to get back into a, a, a town called Freeport. And Swanson went to Freeport and went, yay, finally, finally, finally. Right. I had to go to sleep. So I went to sleep and Albany is four miles away. And I was listening to the twins and they said, we'll be, we'll be right back with, with more exciting uh, twins action right after this. We're back to the bottom of the eighth. Go back and all of a sudden I'm transported mentally to the Metrodome and I'm sitting in section 222 on the end I'm just watching the game. I'm just watching the game up from remote viewing, I guess, see if you call it from a scientific perspective. And I watched the bottom half of the eighth inning and the top half of the ninth inning. Okay, game ends. We wound up winning. We wind up scoring a couple runs in the bottom of the eighth, go take the lead. We They don't score in the top half of the ninth inning. Boom, game's over. All of a sudden, I feel this pressure like I was being thrown from the thrown into the back seat. I could just feel myself being thrown into the back seat like they made, like made impact. And at that moment in time, the broadcaster came on, said, hold on, we'll be right back with Minnesota Twins action. Don't, don't go away, because they had, they had a, a, minute, a minute and a half before they, they do a station break, right? Right. So a minute and a half to do a station break. So we'll be right back. And I said, what the hell are these assholes talking about? We've already won the damn game. The game's right. over. I already watched it. I, I already watched it. They, they hit the wrong damn button. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, shit, Albany. I've encountered Albany, which is exactly, or it's, it, we're very close to Albany. So in other words, I watched about 17, 18 minutes of a baseball game and got thrown back into into my car. And I leaned over my dad, who happened to be a baseball coach at the time, who's one of, one of the most successful baseball coaches around in, in the state. And I said, you're never going to believe this, but we're going to start off the, the bottom of the eight with a triple. Oh, Blake, you're out of your mind. There's no way. Want to bet? I have $150 in my pocket. Want to bet the first hit is a triple on the very first pitch. I called every single pitch and every single hit or out. I memorized every single action. My parents just absolutely freaked out. How in the world did you you do that? 
And that's just, that's not the weird part. That's, that's not the weird part. But things like that have happened to me all my life. Things like, I, I used to work in downtown Minneapolis, so I'd have something called an elevator dream. Elevator dream is basically you wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning and go, oh, shit, I, I, kind of like a, a work vision. And as yeah. soon as we get to downtown Minneapolis, the elevator opens, and exactly, there's a girl in a green dress, two guys in, in suits, one has a striped tie, one has a solid tie. Remember the colors? And you can see it. It happened in your dream. You, you're actually going to work, only you haven't been to work yet. You're about two hours away, and the elevator door opens up, and boom, everybody's dressed exactly the way they, you know, they're changing outfits and things like that. So that's kind of the weird stuff. That's the, that's just the basic weird stuff about learning experiences. Yeah. So now we're gonna go. Now we're gonna go to the real story. And the real story. This is completely true. I swear. Stack of Bibles. But I am a very religious person, by the way. I've been very, very religious all, all my life. But this story is completely true. In the year 1987, I was president of, of a college choir. I had the best electronics. I worked very hard for, for everything I had. I'm, I'm not, not taking a hand out. I worked very, very hard to get to that spot. I had the best electronics, best equipment, best apartment, waterbed, everything. And I was loved and was, had a crush on a girl named Sarah. And I was at the I was king of the world, absolutely at the top of my game. It's mid-December 1987. We get back from our performance at a place called Atwood Center in uh and we did a great job, came home, watched Arsenio Hall for a little bit. I love Arsenio. Went to bed, woke up. I didn't wake up in my bed. I woke up in my cabin 40 miles away, and I looked around. I, I, I stood up and walked around like, where the hell is my wallet? Where the fuck are my car keys? Yeah. I always keep my keys in the wallet at the same time. Nothing. So a pair of jeans on, on the desk or on the, on the chair, open it up, no, no ID, just a couple bucks in there. Walk around. I know I'm going to wake up my mom. My, my, my mom wakes up and says, Blake, you're having a bad dream. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm really the president of the college choir. And what, mom, I love you. What year is it? What year is this? Please tell me, what, what am I doing here? I have, a 10, I have a geology test at 10 a.m. I'm ticked. <laughs> you know, I can't be here. What am I doing here? I, I, I can't miss my midterm geology test. Right. And she looks at me and, and said, screw this. We're going to go back to the church today. I said, mom, I'm a coach. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I've got it all figured out. I've been singing, singing choir for years and years and years. I don't need to, I'm not being possessed by a demon. What year is it? And I finally realized, oh shit, that's right. I know where the calendar is. Turn around, turn on one of the lights and boom, it's July 1975. And I hit the ground just absolutely crying because I miss my girlfriend so much that I just, all I want to do is just to hold Sarah in my arms again. Now put yourself in as a parent and say, okay, your nine-year-old son is crying his eyes out on the floor, weeping and possibly just having a mental breakdown because he's missing his girlfriend so much. I'm begging God to send me back back into the future so I can propose to Sarah. And my mom's just like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? Yeah, mom, I really right. am. Listen, listen to my language. She was a teacher at the time, or retired teacher. And basically, my language, my, a nine-year-old vocabulary is, it doesn't have the same syntax as a 21-year-old. And I had her convinced within about about the first 15 minutes that I really was. I was trying to figure out, you know, I remembered my, my I remembered the, my director's name, Dr. Fuller. I remember his name. I remember uh, Bob Peterson, my high school choral conductor. I remember those things. But everything else was just kind of missed and kind of I couldn't remember, 
you know, I wish I could have remembered who won, you know, the NBA championship or Super Bowl. Nothing like that. Nothing. It was all just personal memories of golf and choir, and that's what our family is all about. So I looked around and I said, now I'm going to tell you, and I realized, oh, my God, bring her golf course. And so she had worked at the golf course, and I played many, many times in the future. But as a nine-year-old, you don't go on the course. I said, I'm going to describe to you this golf course in every single microscopic detail. I want you to tell me, I'm asking me how many trees are in any particular hole. I spent the next two hours explaining to her exactly every single detail about every single aspect of the course. It just floored her because there's just no way that I would know this. I did the entire course, backwards and forwards, how to play the course, what, how to play the greens, every single angle. She's played it 100 times. She knows exact, over 100 times. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. I sat down and said, okay, now I'm going to really freak you. I'm going to describe a private golf course that I couldn't even get anywhere to because it's so far away. I did, and she knows that course intimately as well. So the next hour and a half to detailing her exactly how to play that particular course. Absolutely, completely. moly. I know, I know. Then it gets better. It gets better. I said, Mom, I happen to be a tennis or a badminton champion, which I really am. I'm going to beat a uh, the, the, there was a guy in the Olympics in 1984. He's from Russia. I played him at Normandale Community College. I actually did this. I said, I'm going to play him again because I'm going to be going back to that college after I graduate high school. And she's like, what in the world are you talking about? I actually wound up doing this and I actually remember had a, one memory of beating my uh, badminton instructor in college. And I embarrassed him because I beat him like 15, 2, 15, and 3 or something like this. It's just, it's just an incredible story. And then it gets, I'm, I'm going to ask you a really interesting question, Greg. Do you play golf? No, I don't. I don't. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you a golf story that's going to blow your socks off for anybody <laughs> else that's listening out there. Now, tell me. Tell I'm me. A I'm a good curious. girl. I'm, I'm really, really good because now my mom's really, really curious about all this stuff. said, Blake, I'm going to enter you in a putting championship at Sock Center. It's a place about 20 miles away from the cabin. So I'm nine years old, and I'm playing against basically kids that are 14, 15 years old. There are three girls and the rest for guys, so it's probably about 30 of us playing the putting championship. After about an hour and a half, I wind up winning. I win a $15 gift certificate, and everybody says, come on, Blake, we gotta, we're, we got to hurry up and get to the first tee. Like, why? Oh, we're going to play golf. Like, I can't play golf because I don't even know how to play golf at this point because I'm involved in right. so many other sports. My parents don't want me to play golf until I get to age 12 or 13 just to waste money on clubs because clubs are very expensive. And I'm fine. I'm playing baseball, basketball, all this other stuff. So I wind up playing in this tournament. I shoot 72 for nine holes. Crappy score. I've never played before. What am I, do what am I doing? Finally went home. Very next day, well, might as well start playing. Very next day, I went out and we shot a, I shot a 63. Over the next three weeks, I shot one shot better or tied. And in three weeks, I got down. I finally beat, beat my parents by shooting a 45. That's bogey golf with no lessons, no nothing. All I had to do is access my memory because I didn't have the physical, physical ability. But I had the mental ability of exactly how to remember how to play golf. I, my, I didn't have the right muscle memory, basically. So that's kind of long and short, short of, you know, my, my little experience. It's just, it's just a wild, wild, wild experience. Um, yeah. Everything seemed, seemed familiar coral-wise. 
Like when I would go back in the choir, I remember, oh, this song seems really familiar. I can pick it up. It's called sight reading. Well, I could sight read a little bit better than most people because I'd already sung the song before. So it's just a very interesting thing. And like you say with a couple other people in this group, one guy was talking about his, his experiences in upstate, upstate New York, again in the 70s, curiously, that uh, he, is, he was traveling with his buddies and all of a sudden he was on the freeway and all of a sudden, boom, now he's on a country road and he almost slammed into a dead end sign and they're way off kilter. They're miles and miles away from where they should be. Nobody can remember how they got there. Somewhere along the line, there's something going on temporally, and I can't be the only one. This has to have happened to somebody else somewhere out there. You're not the only one. If you're listening to me or you know if somebody has a strange story, they're not the only one. It's strange. It's odd. But it happened. Yeah, let, let, let's unpack some of this a little bit. I, uh, I appreciate that, Blake. It's such a fascinating account that you've given to me so far. Uh, okay, so so where, where, are you are you based in upstate New York or somewhere else? No, it's, that was just totally a separate story. I'm I'm in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Because I am yep. wondering, I know a lot of stories about, uh, well, Montauk and, and Albany, and there's talk about why you have to leave from upstate New York to get to Antarctica, stuff like that. So I'm wondering if there are any, any weird anomalies there or, or uh, energy centers. Um, I don't know, Minnesota, the, the geography too well in terms of uh, high frequency paranormal events, but there may be something there. Who knows? Do do we know if there's any military sites around there? Anything like that near you? No, no. We have a couple. We have a couple bases around here, but there's no there's no experimental military anything like that. There's nothing odd or unusual. It's just pretty much untouched by time and variety of a variety of ways. You know, when you when you when you witness a miracle, it really kind of just changes things for you because I've seen a couple things that just can't be right. You know, you see you see things. And it's like, that really just happened. I mean, I, and I don't remember a lot of these. That's the other thing is people ask me, well, how did, how is it that you don't remember, you know, your best friend's death? And my best friend died in, um, when I was in eighth grade. He died in a plane crash. Right. I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that. All these events just got pushed out. Only a select few events, select few events that I remember. Now I'm going to blow you away with a funny end of the story or not the end of the story, but part of the end of the story. I yeah, did wind up seeing Sarah again 12 years later, or actually before that. I, I spent, had all my money. I was going to hire a private investigator to try to find Sarah when I was nine. I had the money, I had the resources, but how creepy would that be to try to go up and say, excuse me, uh, I'm, your, I'm, your, I'm your daughter's boyfriend 12 years in the future. You know, that's not yes. really going to fly too well. Yes, right. So I, deci- I decided not to pursue that. Wound up seeing her 12 years later, and we did everything right. You know, we, we, we were friends. She was dating another guy at the time. I didn't want to interfere with I just wanted to. And she was in the choir, and that's kind of a, a choir code that you don't ask another person out unless it's the absolute last week of the year and say, hey, what? You know, maybe we can get together because you, it's, you're, it's too close of a proximity. It's kind of like dating somebody at work. So right. You don't, you don't want to really do that. So anyhow, uh, again, 12 years later, my roommate and I, we, move up, we decided to go room together, and we're going to go up and take a look at apartment buildings. Now, this particular apartment building is called Point West Apartments. It's brand new, brand new, brand new. And we drive up, walk in, 
and I'm on the top floor, and I look, oh, this is really nice. I poke, poke my head out the window, I look to the right, and there's a tennis court. And like a flash of light, all these memories came back from college and Sarah and my choir, because my, my apartment overlooked the tennis court, and all of a sudden, bam, I'm back again. It said, take me over there, go, to, go directly second floor over, the, over the, the, the tennis court. We do it, and we walk inside, oh my God, I'm home. I'm home. I remember my waterbed. My waterbed goes here. And the apartment manager said, how do you know about this place? Like, you know so much about this place. Yeah, I was here 12 years ago. <laughs> he, looked, he looked at me like I was, you're out of your mind. Right. <laughs> we just laughed and laughed and laughed. So eventually we signed a lease. We signed a lease. And I said, well, that's about it. And I'll have a nice day. Well, there's just one more thing, sir. We need to show me the underground parking spots. I said, oh, crap. I totally forgot about that. Now. The place at this time reeked of new paint. They were still installing molding on the carpet and installing carpet and everything. Everything just smelled high heaven because it, the paint was still dry. I mean, it was still drying. Walked down in, into the garage. Now it reeked even more. There's only two people that have leased spots in, in the building because they, they just started renting. This is like the fifth day that they've been open, basically. Walk around, and I look down and say, oh, look, there are two sparking spots. I'm 38, Mark is 36. And the guy just stopped in his track and said, now you're fucking with me. How in the world do you know? There's no possible way you could know that. You know too much about this building. How in the world do you know this? You have to be from the management company. No, I graduated high school down here, and, you know, we just came up here. I mean, yeah, I lived here before. So I knew exactly. There's, there's just no – he just – he could use this walk away babbling. There's just no way he could know that. You got 200 spots available down there, and I picked the two right ones that are associated with the apartment. That poor guy. I still laugh every once in a while. Like, you know, it's <laughs> funny, funny things happen. I'm sure he's just babbling himself. I'm sure he's still to this day. You know, there was a really big guy that happened to know everything about this particular apartment complex back then. How did he know all that stuff? I can't explain any of this. I, what I tell you is that it happened. It's very, very simple. And like I say, if somebody else can gain some knowledge or insight or say, hey, look, something is going on and there's a phenomenon on this earth that people do every once in a while, have, a, have they maybe see for the future. I know the government has had remote, view, remote, remote viewing programs for years and years and years. I'm sure you know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't know if that's along the same lines or not, but I do know about that and that's well publicized, obviously. So it's, it's really kind of a strange world out there. and We don't know everything. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So wait a minute. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, how you experienced uh, going back. I mean, are you telling me that you have – because you mentioned that you didn't have specific memories necessarily about everything. Like it's not like you could recall everything and predict every single outcome. But I'm curious, in your experience, do you have – I mean, if someone, I don't even know how you could do this, but if someone were to go into your brain and were able to track how long you've experienced the world, do you have double the length of time or, or not double, but, but just, uh, those, those extra years, are they in there somewhere? The full lived time experience. Do you think that's encoded yes. inside of you? I'm sure it is. I'm sure that it is. You li you that really lived through it twice. You lived through the full thing. Yeah, I did because I achieved so much, 
in basketball and athletics. So we had these friends that came along every once in a while and play uh, basketball with us up up the cabin. And there were three of them. They would go against my brother and myself. And before the event, we were pretty competitive. After the event, we just dominated. I mean, they, we we were my physical ability changed overnight, literally overnight. Um, I, I was, you know, everything changed for me physically. I was I was never really good in school because I suffered from a condition called dyslexia, which is a terrible condition because right. you reverse words and you can of course you can't pass tests worth 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 shit. And my my mom had it, but uh, and so you know it's just one of those things that choral choral singing really brought me in helped me through school but basically and i had to go through all that all over again but uh, you know the physically you know i when i was that night when i came back i told my mom i said well my dad and i we work our asses off up, up at the cabin and after we were done before dinner we'd always play badminton or basketball so mama wants you to sit down on the desk or sit down on, the, on your um, on your bed and watch us play badminton it's, it was always competitive always always competitive the next day, I clobbered him, 15-2, 15-3, no problem. Nobody could ever touch me in badminton. Nobody. Um, it, it was just, it was just one of those things I was really good at. You know, I achieved all yeah. these incredible things athletically because I had already, already done it before, and I already had the muscle memory, and I already had some, some feeling that I, that I was really good. Like when I went back to Normandale in ninth grade, uh, we, there was a basketball tournament called the Suburban Officials Tournament. As soon as I walked in the gymnasium, I was, oh, this is familiar. I play here. It was the very first time that I've ever been into Normandale since since going back in time. It was just very, very comfortable. We wanted to win in the tournament. It's very comfortable with the floor, with the lighting, everything, with the basketball hoops, everything. So that was that was interesting. That was different, but that was interesting. Yeah, th- that's the other thing. I was going to say it wasn't – how much of this was, do you think, was the same exact timeline versus a parallel timeline where things were slightly altered but still back in time? That's a good question because that's hard to, hard to judge what is the real and what was in the past. That's a really tough question because I really, I really can't say because if you don't have memory, you're not going to have an accurate, um, right. accurate representation. And memory already yeah. is, so, uh, you know, it, it's exactly. not as, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it can't, it, it bends anyways. Um, but yeah, no, it, that is, so you're not quite entirely sure, but there weren't, like, remarkable differences. It's not like there was, somebody died in one timeline, and all of a sudden, years later, you're like, wait a minute, that person stayed around in this one. Right. Right, no, no, I can't, I can't really attest to any, any real differences. And irony of irony, here you have the Minnesota Twins winning in 1987, and I don't even know about it. I mean, here it's the first world championship, and it's, I, I, I couldn't even remember that. You know, it's simple things. So, right, I can't explain. I, I really can't explain. Uh, all, I, all I can do is tell you that it really did occur. And it's fascinating, but it really did occur. So, and you told, so you were saying that you told, you were telling your mom about this when you were nine. Um, did right. she, so she started believing it. She really did. She after started that. Believing, she, she started believing it right away because I said, mom, listen to me. My syntax is different. You put me to bed a few hours ago. I couldn't tell you what I ate, what I did, what I learned. I couldn't tell you my gym locker. I couldn't tell you anything anything that had happened 
you know, I was just, it was kind of like a blank slate. I couldn't tell you what I did yesterday. I could, if we played Scrabble, I couldn't tell you who won. I couldn't tell you the weather. I couldn't tell you anything. I'm still longing for my girlfriend 12 years ago in the past. I'm still, still thinking about my choir practice that happened yesterday. I'm still thinking about Arsenio Hall. I told her, and she said, who's Arsenio Hall? Arsenio Hall becomes a really – he was a successful guy. I guess I should have found this poor guy and say, you know what? You're going to be a big star Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. Or, or yeah, that's fascinating. I, what, did you write anything and, down in that period of time? Is there anything written down? That no, I, I, I really did, I didn't because I didn't want to affect my father. My father was just – you know, he was so – my father was really, really – father was really really you know a straightforward guy and he didn't really want I, you, you're not in, in our in minnesota you're not supposed to call attention to yourself and so that was a conversation it was a private thing between my mom and myself because of my mom when i was telling her in the story I said i'm using different vocabulary i'm using different sentence structure i'm telling you different things you know i'm going to be taking typing I, i'm a world-class typer when i got back into eighth grade a few years later Boom, I immediately got an A because I was old enough to use my fingers and I could actually breeze through typing class. It was a little bit of a struggle to get kind of get used to it, but boom, I was right back up to 70 words a minute within a couple of years. You know, in high school, I was, you know, flying past people. I was, I was right where I was probably yeah. the fast, well, definitely the fastest boy typer, typewriter, uh, or typester. So things like that. But, you know, she believed me right away because, you know, we went to the state basketball tournament. I looked right at her and said, a little bit later that following year and said, I played here. I played at the St. Paul Civic Center. I'm here again. So you can plan on it in the future that I make it to back to this floor. And I eventually did in 1983. It's and just she, a weird so she told you not to. She told you not to tell your father. No, she never said that. She never said that. I'm just going to say we're going to keep this private because nobody's going to flip and believe me. Yeah. That's the long and short of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm wondering, do you know, I mean, uh, I met, is your is your mother still with us or has she passed? No, she she passed. She passed uh, a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, well, how How often did you bring it up with her um, throughout your yeah. entire life beyond that point? Not very much. Not very much. We kind of kept that to, to ourselves. She she knew, she knew fervently. I mean, because we were playing when I when I told her the golf story about going from shooting seventy two to to forty five within a, a three week time frame. That's just not possible without you know proper clubs, proper instructions, proper this. You need at least a year to be able to do that. And I did pick that right away. And after as soon as I beat her, and like. She just looked at me and said, I can't believe this, because she was a really good golfer. And we're playing, this course we're talking about was not an easy course. This is a championship-level course, and you're talking about a nine-year-old shooting this well. And I could never, my best score in golf was like, uh, at Braemar, was 70, 78. I shot a 78 and 79 back when I was in my 20s. And that's pretty damn good, but I could never get down to the Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods numbers of par right. or shooting below par. Just could never do it. But 78, 79, pretty damn good. Just, so that was always that was always something personal to us. It was always something we always had between us. That we would always talk about, about golf and, in all things, be thankful. We're, we when we we spoke, we would always be thankful for what we have in our health. If you don't have your health, you got nothing. You know, you got There's a lot of people out there that are, are a lot worse off than than you than than you or I am. And so, right. be thankful for what you have. And so that was 
a big religious connection. We always had that in our families. I would always say prayers and always say grace, and you're praying before every meal out in public or at home. didn't matter. You know, church every Sunday. We did, that's That was our family thing, and that was our connection. And that was, we always we had a very strong family bond in that in that regard. So... This is fascinating stuff. Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know. I I, I think it's a very interesting uh, bond that that your mother must have had with you not to... Well, actually, this is the other question about your mom in this case. Wouldn't you have worried that... I, I wonder how the story affected her timeline how did she turn out different than the original version of events as they played out did it affect anything have you ever thought about that never never really thought about that it's just something that you don't know and you can't control you know it's from a from a third party's perspective like like you just brought up i can completely understand that uh that that is definitely a viable subject it's just something that's doesn't really apply in this in to me but to a third party viewer that certainly seemed like a logical question yeah yeah i mean do you were there other specific events that uh played out differently as you got back to college uh, specifically related to your mom that you went oh well that one's slightly different but still got me to the same place do, do you have any memory of that not really because it would all be just simple and straightforward it was just you know it's just just that one time, and if trying to figure out differences between what may have happened in the previous when I when I went through the life the first time and going through high school the first time, you just when you when you're erased, it's kind of like you have a hard drive that's either been over written over and you're just writing over it again. And you just don't have that many memories. It's just it's just not there. It's just not there. And it, like I say, aside from aside from the choral music and being familiar playing courses. Like when we played Long Prairie again, I'm like, oh, this is easy. Like you've never played here before. My dad said, you've never played here before. Oh, yeah, sure I have. <laughs> I, shot a, like, I shot like a 40 in the very first round. Wow. How do you do that? You know, I've already played this course before so many times. I'm telling them golf course, yeah, you can have, a little, you can have your little scoring card and it gives you little diagrams. It doesn't tell you how to play the course. The very first time I played Long Prairie, I completely embarrassed my dad. And I, how in the world did you do this? Well, I've been here before. <laughs> No, I know the course. I know exactly how to play every single hole because I've made mistakes. <laughs> yeah, if you make mistakes, then you have to make adjustments. And that he, he, he that was the very first time that after I told him I'd played the course, he just thought I was spoofing him. And I was just messing with him a little bit to see what just to tantalize us to see what he would say. And uh, it was really fun. It was really funny because you know I I was basically barely even driving at that point, and you know we wouldn't just go offering off off into a, or, uh, a course just we always played together and you're not gonna play it by yourself so we always played together it was always one of those things the family would always do so that's how we grew up and that was an interesting memory I just re- remember that about long prairie yeah what else yeah, there's so much here. I mean, there. They, they, well, to me, I'm going. It, it, it's very unbelievable. I mean, it's just hard to comprehend why this could have happened to you. Uh, do you? I mean, look. You said you came from a religious perspective. You, you're very Christian. You you um, believe a lot in this. And I'm curious. I mean, have you thought about? the meaning behind this experience were you supposed to go back for any reason is there anything there that you've reflected on over the years um the only thing that i can think of is well 
my de- my father suffered for Alzheimer's and, and later in life, you know, I I've, I've been very lucky. I I I've been I've cheated death many many times. Uh so many times I can't even t- I can't even tell you. Wow. Uh various various construction accidents, various accidents in other states, uh, work rise, uh vehicle accidents, uh, narrow misses, just narrow misses and I always believed that I was meant to take care of my dad, which I did until I had to put him in the nursing home. And my brother passed away. I took care of him before he he left this earth. And then, past few years, I've been taking care of my mom. And that's you know I think that's what either the angel. I'm just going to tell you, there's angels and there's demons out there. That is for sure. If you if you don't believe that right now, let me just clarify it for you. I'm not going to try to push religion on you, but I'm here to tell you. There's angels and there are demons out there, and maybe I'm just a toy for for both of them, and maybe God just wanted me to be able to take care of my mom and not have to go. My mom would never wanted to go into a care facility. She always wanted to live independently to her last right. days, and and she won, and she won. She, we never had to do that, and so that's I think that was because my mom was deeply religious and very played the piano constantly. It was come from not just our family, but our my extended family is very religious too, so. That's how we grew up. I mean, that's how you were supposed to act. And so maybe that was just a reward that, you know, God said, you know what? You don't have to go into a care facility. You're just going to let your son take care of you. And, you know, the way that she passed was just on on her terms. And that's that's one of the reasons that I'm doing this story right now is because maybe there is there is a reason for everything. You're always, if you would go to Bible school, you're always saying church kind of pounds in your head every once in a while that, there is a reason for everything, that everything happens for a reason. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, right. maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. What I can tell you is that, that, is, that there are angels and there are demons, and everything is very, very real. And it's, it's, I'm a very, very fortunate person. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I'm very, very blessed for what I have. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you mentioned to me that uh, you've written to um, another big-time paranormal show, uh, asked them to interview you, and they never never went back. I mean, what what is it that you think about, um, you know, why is this experience important for you to share ultimately? It it is because when, when you watch Ancient Aliens, it's a fun show, first of all. It's just a fun show. And they get a lot of things right, and they get a lot of things wrong. <laughs> and yeah. the, it's the, the, the guy, I don't know how much you know the show, but there was a guy that made a, a, a very bad, very powerful book that just revolutionized all this modern thought called Chariots of the Gods. Yes, yes. He, he's, he's a German guy who has a German background. And Eric very, von Danigan, I believe, is his yeah, name. Yeah, Eric, Eric von Danigan. Reading his book is very, very fascinating, because this is history that we're not being told. And there's all kinds of things that we're not being told, things about Egypt. And he describes Egypt, you know, the Great Pyramid, all the fascinating things about the Great Pyramid, that it really wasn't a tomb. It was basically meant for something else. What it was meant for, we don't know. But the measurements are just have so many different correlations, so many different mathematical principles about that. It's absolutely just fascinating. It's absolutely just fascinating. Then you hear all these other stories about different religions, different sects, and different things that happened to, to have pe- people before. Um, people that have had previous lifetimes, for instance. Many circumstances where, you know, children have, w- w- have gone to sleep and wake up the next morning and all of a sudden, hey, I used to be a World War II pilot, 
and they can name right. everybody in their in their battalion. They can remember who they're married. Gandhi himself, Muhammad Gandhi, had a woman that basically said, "Yeah, I'm I'm basically I'm used to be this person," and she wrote down everything. And Muhammad Gandhi went to the village, interviewed everybody, and realized, "Yep, that she used to live 40 years ago, and this young girl is now the reincarnation of this other person." And to have a, one of the most religious icons and most important people in history certify, yep, this girl lived absolutely positively 40 years ago, and then she died of a famine or, or disease or whatever and came back as another little girl in the same village and just knew, knew every, everybody's names. This is fascinating stuff. It's really fascinating when, when it's over and over and over. It repeats itself, different stories, different stories. It just kind of basically just reinforces the fact that we haven't been taught everything. We have yeah. there's so much that we don't we have so much we don't know out there. So I basically sent them an email to say, if you want a story, come on over. <laughs> I'll give you a story. We'll we'll have <laughs> we'll, you know chat over it over over diet Pepsi or something, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Kind of the, but they never got back to me and you know, that's that's fine. I'm sure they get a lot of peop a lot of crazy people in that they want to write in too, so it's just a curiosity because I, I do find the show quite interesting, and there's a lot of people out there that also find it quite interesting. And you know, the the facts are out there, and we just have to accept that we're not alone. First of all, that's that's the first thing. I mean, when you ever see you a UFO have, or alien, you you ever encounter anything like that? Oddly enough, never until about four, three years ago. I was driving past the golf course late at night on Thanksgiving. That's one thing is my mom and I always do because she, she couldn't really get out that much so we could at least drive around. And we right. drove. I'd never seen this never seen a spacecraft before, ever, all my years. And all of a sudden, I look up. It's probably about 6.30 at night on Thanksgiving, and it's cloudy. And all of a sudden, I look up, and I see this light up in the sky. I look at that. What is that? And it shot straight up about 1,000 miles an hour, out like a poof from the night, just straight up. I have no idea what the hell it was, but it sure wasn't an aircraft, and it wasn't a, a, a natural phenomenon. It was something else. I couldn't make out any detail, and it was only for a split second, but that's my only experience, and it's not very impressive, but it just goes to show you. I don't know if you know this story, but it was it last year? The U.S. Department of U.S. Navy themselves. This is, this is factual. You all have to do is look this up. Last year, U.S. Navy basically came out and said, Screw all the other armed forces. Aliens are real. We're now employing a new strategy that if any of our pilots sees an unknown object, we want to know date. We want to know exact speed. We want to know where it happened, any witnesses, anything else. They're, they're present a danger to our pilots and to our, our, our equipment. Yeah. We want people to report this now. That's a 180-degree turn. <laughs> You have the U.S. government saying, no, we forget about it. The yeah. U.S. Navy saying, no, we, we want people to report this stuff. Eventually, it's going to come out. Eventually, it will. And so that's just one part of this whole puzzle. And how it all fits together, I don't know. But when the Navy comes out and says, it's all very real, people, just deal with it. You know, they're from another planet. Just go along your regular daily business. Yeah. Well, that's the other interesting thing, Blake, about this. And, and certainly in my uh, research about these topics, I it seems that we are now in a place where the alien thing is accepted. Um, now that the government isn't 
straight up saying, hey, we've encountered extraterrestrials. Um, though there are documents that would lead you to think that they've actually engaged with them before. Um, they are out there. Uh, no pun intended. But yes, yeah, so you, you, can, you can check it out. It's, uh, th- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting paperwork and whatnot. However, the thing that they have not said yet which is interesting, and, and and again, I don't even know why we should necessarily trust the government as the arbiters of what's real, though I guess it just puts an official stamp on things, um, right. is time and, and time anomalies. And there have been people who I, I've interviewed them on the show, people who have said they were part of government time travel programs, um, people that say that there are parallel worlds, people jumping between timelines. Usually when they talk about the story, there is a level of government involvement, but it's a little it's it's kind of a little more like ghosts. Is the government going to admit that ghosts are real or or like you said, angels and demons? Um, but I am curious if there will be a sort of disclosure or a public statement if and more people come forward about time slips and parallel worlds and stuff like this because just like ufos and aliens people are experiencing stuff they've experienced stuff like this true very true very true indeed i mean i i almost want to get you and a group of other uh time slip people together that I've encountered and, and have a panel or or some kind of convention for people who've experienced time anomalies just so we can sync up and try to figure out what's going on here um, just because there there is a lot more out there than people realize especially with the popular, even the Mandela effect, and that's why I was asking you before about uh, you know things you may have noticed between the two worlds, um, you know right now people are going, was it magic mirror on the wall or mirror mirror on the wall oh it's proof they're parallel worlds somebody's changing the programming um but but you say you don't have too much of that too many discrepancies where you go no wait a minute it was definitely this and this way versus the other right it's it's there really isn't there really isn't until you actually experience them you just remember you know i just remembered the, the, one of the things I remember was how Sarah looked, and I described Sarah to my mom. And when she saw Sarah, she said, "Oh my God, you were right," because my mom and dad came up for the Christmas program and, and watched it. And I said, you know, "Sarah Grouch, or Sarah is in the first row. She's a soprano." And I described her when, in 1975. And I, I should have actually gone back and written everything down. I should have, you know, I, I just didn't want to call attention to myself. I didn't want my right. dad involved in all this. But I, I did tell my mom exactly what she looked like, and she was uh, Sarah's in in her, in her college days was had short brunette hair, and was probably about five foot seven, uh, small cup, um, very petite. I wanted to be a school teacher, and I wanted to be a school teacher too. So that's kind of how I wanted to basically parallel my life. No pun intended. Uh, was both my parents were school teachers, and I wanted basically to marry a school teacher and live out my life just with a simple Minnesota girl. That's kind of how I wanted to, my life to turn out. Didn't quite turn out that way. What when ha- what happened with Sarah? Uh, I we just basically we never never really dated. We just went out every once in a while. She's like I said, she's a part of our choir, and you just don't ask people out, but you unless you're really 
unless it's at the end of the year. So, so wait a minute, you in the first version you were dating her, or did things play out differently with her? No, it, it was it was just it was just very casual. It was very casual. It was always we, casual. We for, it was always casual. There was nothing nothing really there. I just in my own mind, I just had a really deep crush on her. That's really what happened. Did you ever and tell Sarah so, about this? No. No, no, I, I never told you, sir, about that. I wish, I w- part of me wishes I would have written everything down and then when I get back to college, say, hey, I got a secret for you. I've got a certified certified uh, uh, notary stamp from 1975 about a story I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I just, that would that yes. would just freak a girl out, too. And you'd, you'd have no chance with her <laughs> at all. And you'd, you'd lose, you'd lose choir, a choir member, and I did, certainly didn't want to do that, and I didn't want to call attention to myself or do any damage to the choir, of course, and especially when a choir president you know, you're about unity, not not about pushing people apart. Yeah. So, now, hey, I, no, I, I appreciate the free them. dating advice for anybody uh, out there who's experienced this. Um, don't lead with that, is what Blake is saying. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's yeah, good. Don't 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 scare, don't scare away the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean this is quite a remarkable story. Still, I, I'm I, again, I trying to wrap my head around all this. Um, though I don't know. I mean, you're still probably trying to wrap your head around this. Um, does it? Have you thought about ever going to more? Um, I, I, yeah. Let, let me think about this. Keeping this inside of you on a daily basis for as many years as you have. Um, is it something you wanted to let out more? Have you gone to a therapist about it? Have you gone to any other experts? What, what has that been like? Oh, I, I went to a psychologist a couple of years ago. I totally freaked her out because she said, there's no way that's possible. I got into some more detail and, you know, it's, it's basically one of my psychologists was was really really kind of taken back by this because she she told me a story about you know I don't know what to believe it because I can't help you in this department and you know how do you even go about telling people about this because nobody's going to believe you you know even a psychologist is going to like I can't help you have a nice day um, right. so that that's that's kind of the hard part and that's so this, one of the things about this group is it allows people to talk about at least saying, hey, there's something else out there. It's not people with a drug problem. It's not people that have been hurt or abused. Or it's just something, an, a weird effect that, is a, that has occurred. Um, you know, strange things happened. And, you know, you have dream sequences. Uh, dream sequences happen all the time. You know, wake up. I remember going to school one day. And I woke up in a dream. And the entire day, the entire day, the entire lesson plan was exactly as I dreamed. Exactly, the entire oh. day, the absolute every, from start to finish, room or first hour through sixth hour, everything, absolutely everything. And it's just like, oh my God, it's it's like that, like that uh, weird film with, uh, what is it, Leonardo yeah, Bill, Bill Murray? Like Are you no, talking about Day Cap- or? Oh, no, not oh, Inception. Day, something different. Uh, Inception, Inception. It's a little bit like Inception. Uh, kind of, kind of like that type of dream sequence of how you forecast, you know, your your next day, and all of a sudden, boom, it happens. Like, oh shit, that happened in my dream, and now it's happening again. So, who knows? Who knows how to explain it all? But it's it's a real, it's a very real phenomenon. That's all I can tell you. 
Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard stories. I may have brought it up on this show before. I was talking to somebody um, in, 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 in the group you were referencing, by the way, is this. Uh, where did I find you in this time travel proof Facebook group yeah. <laughs> that I happen to yeah. be a part of? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody out there, go on Facebook. You will find if you're looking to commiserate or or, or swap stories um, with any weird phenomena you have, just type the name into the search feature and you will find it because uh, I'm always looking for people and, and your story struck me as very peculiar. But uh, I think I saw somebody in there once and I reached out to her because the story was so weird. She was in an entertainment complex in Australia, uh, some, some, some building, and she went into a door that she shouldn't have gone into. And all of a sudden, she was in a restaurant 20 miles down the road, no idea how she got there, walked outside, went home, thought it was really strange. Next day, went back to the restaurant, and it was gone. That's her memory of it, and she swears, and she's insistent, and I've kept asking more about it and nothing so she just cannot explain it so the fact is that there is stuff out there that um well you can't even the sad thing about this story to me is that i don't even know what what the rules are in this case what is that i mean that almost seems because a lot of time travel stuff you can go well that's because there's an order uh to the universe that's like this and this person was meditating and all of a sudden they opened this portal and but this is just i mean this this really came out of nowhere yep it it is it's it's it, it is definitely out there it is kind of like the outer limits when popular television show from oh yes the outer limits in, indeed do you think well, that your life would have gone differently if if you had stayed in the first timeline? What differences do you think there would have been, if so? Um, first timeline, I probably would have married Sarah. We probably would have had children and basically lived out our lives just being, you know, coaches and teachers and have a normal life. And that's kind of how I wanted it to happen. It just didn't happen that way. Um, but that's, it's in my, in my mind, that's how I always wanted it to happen. And for my memories, that's all it's really, that's all I really, really wanted. But, you know, things change. And so you guys have, have got to roll with the punches. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think ultimately being in the second timeline, you, you obviously talked about the athletic achievements, the academic achievements, um, having gone through that experience again, do you think long-term that that set you up for a different kind of success, even though you didn't end up with Sarah? Was, was there just more lived experience that you ended up using in, um, your profession, relationships and et cetera? Yeah, I definitely think that too. Uh, we were always brought up to uh, to uh, no CPR. I mean, I was I was doing CPR at age six, and I saved the life of a kid. And when I was probably, I think I was about eighteen or so. And so, I don't know if that that has any parallel or not. But the kid was dying on on my on my property, and he was drowning. And I got him got him out, and, and basically rescued his life with with CPR. You know, maybe that's just one lifetime, and that was maybe it was meant to do that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, strange things, you know. It, it's it's just very strange. You can't really 
it's hard you know, like I say there's no there's no boundaries there's no references there's no there's no instruction manual there's no there's no official on the side saying saying no you can't do that or you can do this or it's just all it's a free for all basically you just don't know yeah were were there any moments where uh, things came up and you went, oh my gosh, I know um, exactly how this is going to go and I know I can take advantage of this opportunity to really put the odds in my favor. Not really. Not, 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 not really. Um, no, just general feelings, you know, just general familiarities. Uh, walking back into, you know, walking back in the Performing Arts Center for the very first time, you know, seeing Dr. Fuller again. Dr. Fuller had a full beard on. You know, this, the doors were blue, you know, where I sat in choir. I could, I could remember exactly where I sat in choir. I could remember um, there was a small little uh, auditorium, a miniature, super miniature auditorium, well in the back that nobody, very, very few people know about. And I have intimate knowledge of exactly how that's positioned and how and I told my mom that too. And it's like, you don't you, you even went to that school and you wouldn't know where this room is. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, familiar anything dealing with music, I would have a more, a much firmer chance with having familiar things. But aside Did, from being hardcore specific, aside from that, it's it's very hit and miss. Do you did you have deja vu during that period? Oh sure. Was that weird? Was that weird, or were were you like, okay, this is a different feeling than this other feeling? It's 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 just it's just very common. It's 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 it happens so often. You just kind of just say, huh, whatever, <laughs> you know. Because I was going to say, I mean, I wondered, yeah, but you you could argue that de, deja vu is just that over and over again. I'm wondering, could you differentiate between legitimate that deja vu brain phenomenon versus, oh no, this is me remembering that I've been here yeah, before. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't. I, that's, that's a tough one to answer. Do you have deja vu now? Indeed. Huh? You still have deja vu? Oh, these days, of course. Got happens it. All the time. Like I can say it, it's, it happens so frequently. It's just you know you just you, have, you still have to go through your life. You know, I have things to do today. You know, I've got things to do right now. So I'm sure I'll having be having deja vu. All it, it's just it's constant. It's just a normal. It's just a normal part of my life. And there are people out there that just say that I'm full of shit. I'm sure. Fine, let them. I don't care. And if they, they're not me, they didn't live my life. They don't know. Yeah, no, you you haven't written a book on this. You're not selling. No, you didn't ask no. me to pay you at all. Like it's, uh, I didn't even no. offer you uh, diet soda, which, I mean, I no. probably could have. But um, <laughs> or you offer the agent alien this, guys this, that this belongs. This belongs to the American people. This belongs to the world. This, this information belongs to everyone for free. There is no profiteering in, in this particular regard. It's just, if you want to write about a book, great, you know, that's fine. I'm not going to do it, you know, but it's just, it, this information should be available and should be free. Actually, I do know a guy I want to put you in contact with who I've interviewed on the show, Louis Michael Reinhardt, who uh, investigates time anomalies. Um, it, I, I definitely will set that up because I, I bet you could further his research in a lot of ways. He's a very interesting fella. Um, but that said, uh, yeah, no, the, the, yeah, we, we should get this stuff out there. Um, the other thing I was going to say, Blake, is you say you don't technically you're you're in your mid 50s right right but what age should you be then 67 
you've lived 67 years of life, even though yep. you're physically yep. 55. Correct. That's the weird part. That that's, there, there's weird. an X-Files episode for you, or, or a Deep Space Nine episode for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that is very strange. That is very strange stuff. Um, I mean, tell me this. What happens when you go to bed at night? Do you, do you fear? Do you, do you wonder? Could I wake up somewhere else? Somewhere else? You know, I mean, what, what is that like? Every day for the past almost 50 years. You have thought, wow, when I go to bed, I could end up in another going to wake? Where am I going to wake up the next morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, 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 the feeling never goes away. It never does. Once, you know, you, you always wonder, are you part of some sort of Star Trek, Star Trek episode in some bizarre, some other realm? But once it happens once, you just wonder, gee, am I going to go back? You know, you, you always wonder, you know, if I... If I die in a car crash, you know, will I wake up in my bed, my water bed, and be back in college and see Sarah the next day and go, oh, hi, Sarah, it's been a long time. <laughs> you know, right. that, that is that does play a part of all this. I mean, time is a rubber band. I mean, if you, if you, I have been studying Albert Einstein for, for years and years, and Albert Einstein said time is merely a per persistent illusion. And if you believe that, then you can kind of understand what, 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 what I'm talking about, because if you if you just go about you know, and say okay, well, that's all just ho hooey, you know, you know that that's, that doesn't really matter. Well, Einstein figured it out, Tesla figured it out, just very few people talk about it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and also, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what it's like to to go to bed every night and wonder. Um, what you're gonna, where you're gonna go the next day? I mean, is that does that cause you anxiety at all? Have you have you dealt with those all feelings? The all the time, all the time. Especially you start reminiscing about college and you know all the fun times singing and you know the really really fun memories. You know, a lot of plus pluses and minuses. And so yeah, yeah, you do think about it all the time. Um, you know, it's just. Yeah, it does cause an, some anxiety, but you you have to put that you have to carp, carp, carp you have to put it on the shelf basically. That's the only thing that you can do because you can't let it rule rule your life. Otherwise, yeah. you'll go nuts. Well, I was and gonna say, I mean, if you if it did happen again, um, couple things. First of all, I mean, I don't even know how we'd imprint in your head, but write stuff down. Uh, I think. Is there anything else you would do differently right now? I mean, if it happened. If it does happen, I'll reach out and find you. <laughs> You'll <laughs> find we, me. If we, have, if, if, we, if, if we still have computers and I still, if I can still get onto Facebook, uh, if it happens again, I'll find you. So. Yeah. Wow. 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 Um, the other thing I was going to ask about is, and, and look, I've been very, very grateful for your time. This is such a uh, very fascinating topic, and I hope that I can even talk to more people that um, could shed light on this just so we can help you make more sense of it. Um, actually, yeah. Well, now I have two questions, but I'll start with the first one. Sure. Have you ever done a past life regression or seen a hypnotist? No. Nope, never been never been hypnotized. That 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 doesn't work on me. Doesn't work. I am curious nope. what we would discover 
if you were to go into a deep state of trance. Wouldn't that be weird? That would Do you be, think that would be weird because my mind is so complicated. I don't think I have the ability to be hypnotized completely. Um, I'm just curious if both timelines are in there because under hypnosis you can really pull out a lot of uh, memories from from different events. So, I mean, I wonder what we would uncover. That's 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 the scary part. <laughs> I think I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> You're not <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just, I'm just gonna, you know I've still got to live my life so. And at the same time, I've got to get to work here, so we are... No, no, hey, we're a little bit over. I appreciate it, I appreciate it. Hey, look, if there was one question that you could have answered about this, there was one thing you want to know to have this make sense, and what would that question be? Why were the 13 books of the Apocalypse eliminated from the Bible? (sighs) The 13 books of what? The 13 books of the Apocrypha were eliminated from the Bible back in the 1300s. There were originally 80 books, and those 13 books involved all kinds of things, including uh, reincarnation specifically, uh, dealing with alien beings, also, or unknown, unknown realms, basically angels and demons directly. And so the Bible was down to six, six books. Originally, for over many, 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 many centuries, there were 80 books, or six, pardon me, 79 books. Uh, so 13 books were, were eliminated, and uh, it's always been a curiosity, and I've always tried to, fig- tried to figure that out. But I think that somebody's trying to hide hide information from, from people, and that's one of the questions that I have always had in my lifetime, because as a religious person, I want to know what those other 13 books yeah. really were about, and have they been adjusted? Have they been modified? What is... What is what is the actual true human history? You know, did Atlantis really have more advanced technology, as some people say? Where was Atlantis? All kinds of different things like that. Um, wanting to know really how we we've evolved to this point, because obviously we things have been mani- manipulated. Wow. History that is being history has been that has been taught, especially to our young, is has been changed so many different times. It's totally different than what I was brought up on. So God knows what they're teaching these kids these days, and I don't know. You know, we, the the truth is out there, and we need to set it straight. And we've got to have people out there that know what the heck they're doing, teach American history, teach teach the true history of the world as best they possibly can. And we're always going to explore and and, and develop new information. There's always going to be new discoveries. That's the cool part about this. You're always discovering something new, something new. This city didn't exist. All of a sudden, now we found it. Um, all kinds of adventures are out there. But that was, that was to answer your question. That's a question. I always want to know what happened to the books of the, of the Apocrypha. Great. So on that and- note... Uh, yeah, I right. hey, look, I appreciate you coming on, Blake, I, and I know how busy you are, so um, let's get this story out there. Thank you so much for coming, and uh, I hope to find out those answers to those questions as well as the answers to uh, the, this mysterious anomaly in your life, these anomalies. Yep. All right, good talking with you, my man. Blake Hansen, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I know it must not be easy to to live with this reality, so I'm very grateful you came on this show. 
And if anybody out there has had a similar experience, uh, feel free to contact me at the Open Loops Facebook page, YouTube, uh, my Instagram, at the Greg Bornstein. Very curious if uh, we can shed some light for Blake on this. Fascinating. I want to thank Ronnie McGilvery for the theme music. I want to thank Zero Boy for the pre-theme music. And, uh, oh wait, they both just boycotted me. But what, too much time travel? No. I believe in time travel. Free speech forever. Love you all. Talk soon.